Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, you're listening to The Devil's Advocate, where every devil has his or her day. I'm Nick Stacks, tristack.github.io and sustainablehealthwealth.com. And with me is Tulsa's favorite son, a man of so many talents that he makes clowns cry out of jealousy. Ken. You're making me blush. Kenny Barton. You're Say making me blush. Thank you. I hope we do leave because Ken made me laugh twice. <laughs> so I hope we leave that in there because we need some good news these days. Yeah. Some laughter. Tulsa's favorite son. Yeah. Where, can, where might one find you, Kenneth? Uh, right now I'm in Tokyo, Japan. And if one wanted to find you online. Oh, you could go to 3daymonkmedia.com. You can get this and all the other tasty episodes. Yeah. And your Twitter? Uh, which one do you want? 3 Day Monk Media. Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, that way people don't have to swim or canoe to Japan and, yeah. and find you. Links so in the great. show notes, of course. Links in the show notes as always. Great. Yeah. Our mission statement is to shed light on and discuss all issues, great and small, with the idea that by doing so, we can entertain, enlighten, and educate others and to have fun while doing so. So today's topic is how many espressos are too many because I haven't eaten for three days. Just kidding. Today's topic, as we promised, is policing. Um, so I'm also going to introduce... Well, we'll have our standard Life in Japan book report in a new segment. In fact, I might want to open up with this one because it's kind of funny. A new segment I'd like to call Funny Stupid Childhood Memories. Oh, my God. So this one is about trying to stay up late. So I've been, I'm going to do this month. We're going to stay evergreen, so I won't say which month. But I'm going to do the uh, carnivore diet and the sober month. It can be sober October or any month you so choose. I'm going to do that this month. And so to start well, it off. This month is the last day of the month. <laughs> I think you're winning already. Yes, I'm done. So no, I'm going to start. I'm actually going to make five weeks out of it. Okay. So yeah. So my record is first it was 28 days and then it was 30. And then just periodically, it's good to give your liver and digestive system, I guess, a rest. And there's a whole lot about this in, in the, in the rags recently Mm -hmm. about it's the, some people call it the exclusion diet. Um, You can Google it. Probably the most famous one is Joe Rogan calls it the carnivore diet, uh, and that's what's going around right now. So I'm going to combine those two. So I started it off with a three-day fast. I haven't eaten since Sunday, which is something else, and I've had literally five coffees today. So it's going to be wild. I can already tell you have a little extra oomph, oomph. <laughs> a little a little je ne sais quoi that's, <laughs> that's really putting you over the edge. I have gravy? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. yeah. So funny story, Kenneth, did you, do you have any funny stories about when you tried to stay up late or stay up all night as a kid? Because that's kind of what today reminded me of. That's how I feel this week. You know, I don't have any funny stories, but like, um, you know, I I come from like a pretty religious Religious, background so uh most of my memories of staying up late were watching mtv at my grandma's house yeah like when you weren't supposed to when i wasn't supposed to that makes it even better Mm -hmm. and then if you if you had the extra i don't know the 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 je ne sais quoi yeah the at least the momentum to keep going uh sometimes they would have like horror movies on like after oh midnight, Lord. yeah. We should so, do a whole episode about horror movies. Like I don't that. real. I, I thought I thought they were really kind of fun and interesting at the time. Yeah, I you know I make a note to go back to that. But I, I guess my staying up late story was like you. My parents were quite religious. We could only do it New Year's, and actually, it was really <laughs> seems uh, like a perfect time. Perfect time, and there's like my parents would have their friends over, and they would drink. Their did you ever make slush when you were a kid? Your parents. My parents it's didn't kind of a drink. Ever. 
Not very never, okay. but like I'm saying, like maybe two or three times okay. in my in my life for the first eighteen years. Interesting. Yeah. My 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 father was. I mean, I've never seen my. I think I've mentioned this before. I've never seen my dad drunk. My mother is a teetotaler. She has a. She has migraines when she part of the exclusion diet. For example, she didn't find this out till. I think she got an allergy test, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, this is what's causing your migraines. It's it's." In her case, white wine or basically anything, but especially wine mixed with cheese, just lethal for her. I hate cheese wine. Yeah. It's the worst. Oh, you don't like it? Really? <laughs> it's, it's, oh, is that a joke? South Dakota's oh. national drink is cheese wine. Cheese wine? <laughs> you mean wine made of cheese? Wine made of cheese? No, no. Cheese? It's like you know, when you have a wine tasting. No, I, I, and you, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. I'm Ken with was you. making fun of me, and I didn't even miss it. That's what happens That's when awesome. I have nine espressos. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't even care anymore. Yeah. Oh, God. But, yeah. Okay. No, but she she cut that up. So yeah, I would stay. And I remember this: the first time I did it, we stayed up late, and I saw Mannix, that old TV show from like the fifties, back when Word. people would still yes. smoke on TV and yeah. and punch people. And yeah, exactly. and I, I wanted to see Mannix, and I thought, yeah, this isn't so great. So that was my kind of story. Yeah, I watched uh, the horror movies that I watched. It was like early, like Halloween. Yeah, whatever. Halloween is Michael, right? This was like pre-Michael. I think like the first couple Halloween movies, they it, there was no Michael. Oh, wow. It was just some other wacko stuff. Uh. Yeah. Um, th- they're not interesting at all. The ones mm-hmm. that I saw when we were like in high school, I, I didn't want, I was definitely afraid of anything scary. When I time I threw a cat. Like literally, I was so emotional over MacGyver getting tortured that I threw a cat at my sister's. It's not head. easy to throw cats, especially by our the way. cat was obese. Mm-hmm. It was, it was very heavy cat. Yeah, usually they have claws and they'll. And, yeah, it was a farm cat too. Yeah. So it, lucky it didn't, I mean, hurt her eyes or something. But I was like, "You take that, you shut my sister. Oh, you take that, my older sister, and yeah. yeah." So, so that's my staying up late story. But um, yeah. it was it's interesting. Like, mm. you, I, I've heard people talk about this on other podcasts, but. Based on the TV that we watched mm. back in the 80s, yep. uh, I would have thought there would be a lot more quicksand and Bigfoot stuff around. Like, it seems like so many television shows had some quicksand component oh, at some well, point. Yeah, because uh, yeah, their cars yeah. were always running into it, or they had to jump over <laughs> jump it. Jump over it, or yeah. they some one of their uh, people in their group would get stuck in right. it. Yeah. Well, and and I, I in my adult life I'm a little disappointed that I've never ever once come across quicksand. You know, nor have I. I and there's an obstacle. <laughs> and you've been all over the world, Nick. I've, <laughs> well, I've, as if you can, and I, no. I think that's an obstacle that most Americans could, you know, if television is any form of training, we could beat quicksand. Yeah, and I thought uh, we would have found Bigfoot by now. Well, save that for another day. But I think it's strange too because if you just look at the way culture was, I think because we're about the same age, the '80s and '90s were kind of that transition from like. Like the early days of TV was like Westerns and Davy Crockett mm-hmm. and 60s and 70s were kind of anti-hero detectives and the 80s were like the last of your magnum PIs, but starting your friends and your family ties and right. it was starting to get into the sitcom thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think, I don't think nowadays you can, I, the, okay, I, I guess to this day, the most watched episode of TV ever is, was the Beverly Hillbillies in like the 60s. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, just because nobody had TVs, it was like one out of every four homes that had a TV was turned to the Beverly Hillbillies. Nowadays, with Netflix and HBO and everything else, there's no such thing as like a massive hit, but you oh, have a sure. bunch of little hits. Yeah. Well, that and, so. of course, all the fun of uh, looking at the TV schedule to find the, you know. Yeah, I remember the TV guide. The TV guide. That was so funny. 
It's so interesting. America was a simpler simpler time back then. Uh, you say it's simple. I think now is pretty simple. You just like, okay, well, I want to watch some anime, so I'm going to yeah. watch some anime. That's pretty simple. Yeah, that's true, yeah. too. More choice. <clears throat> More I choice don't even know what my daughter would do if we had to look it up in the TV guide. Well, but there's another thing, too. You talk about parenting. How much is too much TV or smartphone or... Oh, that's... A, I mean, Save that's, that for another that's day? super complicated. Mm. Um... Yeah, let's save that one. Maybe that'll be next week's topic. So. Let's put that one in the parking lot. Cool. Mm-hmm. So my book report, I, this is funny. This is an older book. It's not even something I'm reading now, but it's Moneyball. And I wanted to bring that up because a lot of today's episode is about policing. It's about alternative ideas or things that we might have missed in plain sight. And I realized we've never talked about Moneyball. That was one of the first books that really got me into like looking at sabermetrics and things mm-hmm. differently. Mm-hmm. And Basically, um, great movie about it, by the way, that does a pretty good job of paying justice to the book. It came out in 2011. Of course, it was Brad Pitt. But um, the big hack from Moneyball, I'll just make it as simple as I can, is walks are good and finding undervalued players. So what uh, the manager of the A's, the general manager of the A's, it wasn't even him. It was the guy he hired who was a Bill, a big Bill James fan. Do you anything about baseball, Ken? Uh not a, nothing. So there's this guy named Bill James who started writing, it's called the Baseball Abstract in the late 1970s when he was a security guard at a, like a pork and beans factory. I think it was Bush's Pork and Beans at night. And he started Xeroxing the copies at his local, it wasn't even Kinko's back then, probably used the library the first time. And he went from like 100 to 1,000. So by the time the internet came around, perfect timing, he had about 1,000 followers. And he pointed out that you could buy, his thing was buy wins. What goes into a win? You need this many runs, this many strikeouts. And he used mathematics just to basically cut through biases. So like to this day, if, okay, to say this, but like my wife and I went to our daughter's school and we, in the back of my mind, there was an older teacher and a younger teacher, both were female. When I found out my daughter's younger teacher, or my daughter's teacher was the younger one, I was kind of happy. And I realized later that actually the older teacher is much more experienced and much better. But you have a lot of biases sometimes that you're not even aware of. Oh, sure. Yeah, as do police and stuff. And one of the things that they looked at was that people who got walks were very cheap. And they had two two factors. One, cheap. Two, got on base. And three, they wore out the opponent's pitchers. So this day and age with this this team expansion of every sport really, but especially MLB, the pitching staffs are not as strong as they used to be. So you could take... Basically, your subpar players who are good at one thing and one thing only getting walks and just feast on this sick beast once they get past the first or second game. Very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. So that's the kind of approach we're going to take today is maybe look at things we might have missed or undervalued aspects of how to fix policing. Kenneth, what was your bookie report? A book report, mm. yes. Mm. Okay, book report is not really book this time. Netflix? Uh, not even Netflix, <laughs> actually. It's uh, it's Apple Plus. I got, a, I got an oh. iPhone. I got an iPhone in February of this terrible year, and (laughs) so whenever you buy a new iPhone, you get 12 months of free Apple TV Plus. Nice. Yeah. How do you like it? Tell our viewers. I really don't care about 99% of it, Mm. but Ted Lasso. What? I love Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso? Ted Lasso is... Please elaborate. Okay. Ted Lasso is a... um, Cowboy? <laughs> Sounds like a cowboy. <laughs> he lie. should be a cowboy. But it's uh, it's a television show about okay. a an American football coach from like Missouri. Okay, 
this is not a real story. This oh, is, yeah, this okay, is yeah. fiction, right? Uh, but he gets hired to um, he gets hired to coach a premier soccer league in the UK. I think I might have. Yeah, is he the guy? Was he on SNL? Yes, that's Jason right. Sudeik- Sudeikis. Yes. Okay, yes. I've seen previews. It looks hilarious. It's really funny. Oh, okay. I really enjoy it. Okay. Um, yeah, that's all I can say about it. Is uh, I I just like Ted Lasso. I think he's he's amazing person. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll check that out because I saw the preview on YouTube. You know, they put up those trailers yeah. for things, and it was all I can guarantee is our team's going to play for four quarters. What? Two halves. Two halves. And a tea interval? Like, they had, like, all these... Exactly. So he goes over there knowing nothing about soccer. And uh, (laughs) and so he's... he's, But, you know, I'll let you uh, figure out how that turns out. But... um, It's really interesting, though, because if you want, one of the Netflix things I saw, this is my pseudo-book report, was about they did kind of a deep dive, like a 40-minute documentary on some very successful coaches from different sports. Like, one is a premiership and Mm -hmm. the whatever the European soccer league is called. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't care. Who, who cares about yeah. soccer? <laughs> I just, sorry. I just, <laughs> We're going to get canceled like, by yeah, no. the EU. <laughs> I love Chinese soccer. I love the biggest markets and their favorite sports. Yeah. I love Chinese people and Chinese food. I do not care mm. for soccer. Don't care. Who knows it? And um, I wonder if a great coach would be a great coach in another sport. That's a good question. Like if Pat Riley could coach football i don't see why not right yeah you would think to find out so yeah but obviously it's not a satirical question but, mm-hmm. but this is, it was, it's, it's a it's a fun thing i don't like yeah. sports ball so much uh but this isn't really about sports i mean it's got that sports ball stuff yeah uh and they talk about do they kick a lot of home runs they kick all the home runs <laughs> <laughs> they kick all the home runs and uh, what else? What else do they do? They uh, they uh, field the touchdowns. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The first time I went it was the rugby. No, it was a okay. It was a uh, rugby. Yeah, rugby, rugby World, World, Cup World Cup was a year ago. Not That's to be crazy. not to time us, but oh my god, it's yeah. a year ago. It seems like both forever ago and yesterday. Yeah, and they were worried about typhoons, and there was something that that some something out of China called a. I can't remember the name, but it started with the C. That's when this really started to be first heard about. It's just crazy to think about. But, uh, we were so cute then. God, it was almost like a different time. I know. Yeah. It was a, like a different lifetime. It was. And it'll be back as soon as I get a vaccine, I think. I mean, I think some things will never know. Okay, what do you think? I, like, what permanent changes do you think will happen? I think even with a vaccine, we're still mm. going to need to wear masks everywhere. Do you think that will last forever? Oh, I don't. I don't want it. What's forever? Five years. <laughs> I think it's going to last a while. I mean, because like even people focus on the on the release of the vaccine, mm. but uh, the distribution of the vaccine is going to be an another long term thing. Mm-hmm. Well, in America, there's a really scary statistic that even if they found a vaccine that worked, only. Well, only 70% makes it sound positive. 30% of the people wouldn't take it no matter what. And if you're well, looking they're stupid a... because, oh, I mean, if, if it's going to turn me into a zombie, mm. I want to be a first wave of zombies. That's really good logic. You know, I don't want to go through all the, you know, walking dead hard times <laughs> with... <laughs> Trying to have to hunt my food. I yeah, want exactly. fresh brains when I want them. Yeah. I want it my way. I want the fresh pickings. <laughs> I want the cream of the crop. <laughs> What's your IQ? Pass. <laughs> I'm gonna hit me up some. What are those conventions with people that have IQs over 150? Like Mensa. Mensa convention. Yeah, right. <laughs> Man, 
What's your name, sir? Uh. <laughs> Can you spell that? Certainly. Capital uh. Brains. Yeah. But the first vaccines are only going to be 50 or 60% effective anyway. Well, maybe so. So, yeah. So that's that's just something we got to work on. But I, I think it'll last definitely a year or two. And then in, but again, in Japan, I always wore a mask. You did too, right? You wore gloves. Even before wore, this, you wore a mask and a gloves on the train, I didn't, right? I didn't wear a mask on the train. I do I do wear gloves on the oh. train because I, I see too many people picking their noses and then yeah. touching the, the strap. It just grosses me out in the worst way possible. <laughs> okay, so uh, let, let's we got to keep going. Life in the Japan. Life in the Japan's was this is so funny. We went to the to the bank the other day to try to take care of some routine thing, and this bank woman came up to my wife and bowed. Bank and woman. Bank woman. Bank bank. Banks. Like a, re- a, representative, a representative, a female bank representative. A bankeress. A, a lioness of the bank. A bankeress. The bank service. So. Whatever kind of bowed and said goodbye. And one thing about Japanese service is it's not uncommon to have relationships with what in America would just be somebody you know from the bank. But if you spend a lot of time together and the service here is really so good that you almost kind of form a bond. This woman like bowed to my wife and said goodbye. And they were speaking Japanese. I didn't understand everything. But, oh, thank you, too. Have a nice thing. And I was like, well, what's the story behind that? She goes, well, I was trying to change something and I couldn't. And I was just a total B-word to this woman and totally chewed her out. But she was really kind and brought me juice. So we kind of became friends. That is the, that is the Japanese way. Quintessential <laughs> Japanese to the point now that when they're leaving, this woman who my wife did nothing but grievous or grieve just said goodbye. So I thought that was a great story. They will kill you with kindness yeah. after, after yeah. something. Yeah. Moshiwake gozaimasen. Ne. Yeah. <laughs> Which yes. So yeah. What about you, Kenny? Uh, suicides we could talk about that you know so many suicides um no i was i was like really there have been a lot of uh act like in the entertainment yeah. industry here in japan yeah. and in south korea yes yeah. some people uh some ladies some and a couple guys actresses and some people committing mm. suicide yeah it's been a big thing it, yep. it's always a big thing here people mm. love k- killing themselves um <clears throat> But really, the thing that I wanted, it's kind of a related thing about mm. celebrities. Mm. Uh, recently, a very famous actor, Is- in Japan? Iseyu, yeah. Iseya Yusuke, mm. Iseya Yusuke uh, he uh, got arrested for the, the marijuanas. Yeah, for the drugs. Yep. For the drugs. Uh, and I just, you know, <sighs> drug war. We're going to get into more into the drug war about this yeah. in, a, in a little bit, but dum, da, dum, dum, something dum. about about the drug war in Japan. Uh, Japanese don't really know the difference between different kinds of drugs, no. so like all the drugs are equally bad, yeah. right? And except for alcohol and tobacco, which are just fine. Th- those are go ahead, perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the problem that I'm having is. That you have these people like uh, Isaya Yusuke, and he's had like this really productive life. He's mm. done lots of really interesting projects. He's started his own company. He's done some nice yeah. things for people. Uh, he's been a very productive member of society. He's but because much more good he that. wants to smoke a J at the end of the day to relax, they totally destroy his life. Yeah, it's terrible. And like on the television news, the news media, they spent like 30 minutes talking about him and uh, his his eight 
eight little spliffs of weed that he he had in his apartment. It's it's so sad and it's so hypocritical. Mm-hmm. That's what really gets me too. Is if you go to any subway station or any train station in Japan, um, I should say this: what Ken's talking about is public drunkenness in Japan is not only not a crime. It's I don't know. It's it's like a sport. It's, it's like, like a, a national sport. pastime. It's okay, maybe not encouraged, but they. It's what's that word when somebody? It's enabled. Yeah, like totally. The government wants you to know that you're safe to get drunk on a train. If you find, if your boss gets just so wasted at the comedy Christmas party that he hits on girls and falls out his own vomit, not only would he not be embarrassed, he'd be like, you know, fight though. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Let yeah. go. And yeah, but if you want to smoke a mirror, even if you needed it for medicinal use, nothing. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of a one of the people I've met over the years is a criminal. She's a prosecutor, and she said. Only one I've ever met. Yeah, the, basically the world is going to decriminalization and treating it as a healthy Japan's far behind the times. Yeah, super far behind the times. Yeah. And, okay, so to be fair, mm. one thing that Japan does exactly right oh. about in the, in this exact thing, about right, in the war, war on drugs, oh, yes. Oh, okay. Their, their war on drugs. In the U.S., if, you are, if, you're, if you're a drug user, you can be president of the United States. Yeah. You can be a gold medalist in the Olympics as a swimmer. Or a snowboarder. Or a yeah. snowboarder, especially <laughs> snowboarders. It's, I'm looking at you, snowboarders. We know. <laughs> um, but you're you're right. Like you and, and and also so you it doesn't limit you as to yeah. what you can do. Right. You can own a company, you can be a billionaire, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, likewise, depending on where you're doing the drugs, mm. if you're in a, a college campus, nobody cares. Mm. Police don't care. Nobody cares. Mm. It's really rare for somebody on campus to get busted for right. dealing drugs right. or taking drugs or you know, buying drugs, mm. whatever. Um, and if you're like a president's son or if you're a rich person's kid, right. it's no problem, right? Right? You're going to get away with it. They're just going to look the other way. Mm. Uh, and they only, they only will bust you if you live in a certain part of town mm. and you, look, you have a certain skin color. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Or if you're a certain you know, socioeconomic yeah. status, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's the thing that is really terrible about the u.s drug war and that's one of the good things about the japanese drug wars everybody's the same ah, i see they treat everybody the same stupidly unless wrongly. i mean i'm there are some heavy uh bracketing around uh paul mccartney who got busted for bringing marijuana in like a lot of marijuana in one year was it that much they make it sound uh, i guess that's it they make it sound like it was nothing but it was how much was it it Jeez. was it was a I lot i really don't know i've heard about this but it's all urban legends let's google it let's google half pound what <laughs> i did not know that <laughs> i knew it was a I, lot sound like a half pound of the stickiest of the icky <laughs> <laughs> And he said he just brought it because, well, it was the good stuff. Anyway, so he brought in a half pound of weed. Of the stickiest of the icky. That's <laughs> yeah. funny. And, and he can still come back to Japan. Wow. But Robert Downey Jr., who got uh, busted like 20-something years ago for doing drugs, uh, he can't come to Japan. Oh, nuts. Right? So you have to be a beetle to <laughs> <laughs> to like to surmount that wall of uh, drug. Uh, I mean, because if I brought in a, a half pound of 
marijuana. You wouldn't be here right I now. I wouldn't be here right now. Mm-mm. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the things I I do think is really important is that they just treat everybody the same. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, why don't we transition to the actual point of today's show? Thing? Let's that, do it. Let's that, go right into policing. Into policing. Because mm-hmm. one thing that we... So today's topic is, of course, policing. We're going to present some, some uh, good, bad, and ugly. Good is good if there is any bad or bad things we've noticed and the ugly are the ugly but truthful solutions we might find but just to piggyback off that right away there's a really interesting article i discussed it with my my friend who's the japanese criminal um prosecutor prosecutor i guess you could say and (laughs) it was about how many women in not just it's the typical thing where's the market rich countries probably south korea and japan Hmm. where the drugs made not south korea japan they're made into golden triangle and nowadays it's a lot of it's methamphetamines, but it's called ice, I've heard it referred mm-hmm. to as, or mm-hmm. maybe even snow, but it's, it's basically meth. Mm-hmm. And it is brought into the country by people that can't afford it. A lot of times they're women. A lot of times they're women with poor families or babies or people with just absolutely no choice. And, of course, they're being locked up. And it's a horrible number. It's a horrible number it's of really women bad, yeah. disproportionately. And mm-hmm. this is something that should just absolutely not happen. So we'll start with the good. Do you have any good police stories, Ken? Zero good police stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I mean, just growing up, um, yeah. I mean, I know some police officers, and they seem like very nice people. But okay. they were like my they were like my shooting coach or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. So I know them in a certain context, mm. and they're very nice people. And like in the context of shooting, you're gonna get some. Yes. How do you say? Some peripheral uh, stuff. Yeah, like some some of their like culture about like sheep dogs and right. uh, and uh, how you have to be a warrior and blah 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 blah. You're gonna get this stuff, mm. right? It's it's unavoidable. Um, but you know these guys are super nice in that context. But if I ran into them while they were wearing a uniform, would right. I? I don't think I would be comfortable. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. My, all of all yeah. of my experiences have been pretty poor. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the problems with the way policing is set up in America right now. Are we attracting the right people for the job? And a lot of evidence would say no. That's a very good point. The death in Minneapolis of the guy who got knelt on for... George Floyd. George Floyd for 20 minutes, actually by a cop. The cop was working. This was on Joe Rogan. Uh, the cop was, I guess, so I should say this, we should... I heard it on Joe Rogan. He does tend to be pretty factual, but I have not fact-checked this. But evidently, they were both working at the same club, which is not uncommon for police to do, um, which is you know, another problem. They need money. So right. they were working at a, the same nightclub. In Even George though Floyd. they do make a lot of money. They actually, they kind of do. And they actually, do. one of the things, their job is not as dangerous as people might think. It's definitely not yeah. as dangerous as And they. a lot of it is, well, mm-hmm. anyway, so. And George Floyd told this guy, look, you are just too aggressive with people. You got to lay off. This isn't how it's supposed to be done. And that's one of the reasons this cop kind of had it out for him. Which is amazing. But 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 to the good. Tragic. My, yeah, tra- way beyond tragic. My good is I used to lift weights with a bunch of cops, and I didn't know they were cops. And so the funny story of Nick the Ding Dong when he was a I, – I guess be- before the uh, – Was that your real nickname, Nick? Could have been. Should have been. <laughs> still should be, some might say. Um, before the podcast, we were talking about gunfighters and about how a lot of things in life. They're such a fine line. It's almost not there. Louis Lamore claims to have interviewed over 250 quote-unquote gunfighters, and that's impossible if you look at the historical records. But in his mind, gunfighters were also security guards for Wells Fargo, 
guys that carried shotgun in patrols, things like that. In his mind, that was a gunfighter. I don't agree with everything that he said. Of course, he over-romanticizes things, but it might be like somebody that needs money, somebody that was on their way, I'm fictionalizing, but you know, on the way to commit a crime, but wait a minute, I can do the same risk, but do it for Wells Fargo, and I'm a hero. And that's one thing I found even for me, as I mentioned in the past, and I have, have attention deficit disorder, one kind of side effect of that is sometimes there's thrill-seeking behavior. And I found out when I was in my early 20s, I guess, if I go into a bar and start a fight, that's, that's bad. But if I stop a fight in a bar, I'm a hero. And they're basically the same actions, but one is viewed positively by our society and one is viewed very negatively, and, and rightly so. You know, so are we attracting the right people to be police? Oh, definitely. That's yeah. that's a, the the whole thing is. Mm, I I yeah. definitely agree with you. Are we recruiting the right people? Mm. Um, also, the the people that we do get, we put them in kind of a very yeah. particular situations. situation, yeah. right? With right. a particular culture. Yes. And like one of the one of the things that one of the you you brought up Louis Lamour. Yeah. And one of the more recent ones, maybe even a contemporary to us, is Dave Grossman. Dave Grossman is a lieutenant, was a lieutenant in the military. He wrote a book on, called On Killing. Oh, and uh, I read that book a long time ago. It was a very interesting book. But it talks about uh, how to train people to kill and how, like, in the Civil War, uh, they they the way of training was very different and what happened was during the civil war uh people who were in a firefight would almost always not almost always but they would they would know they would miss on purpose they would they would not aim at the enemy wow because they didn't want to kill people right and and over time like over the several wars that we've had world war one world war two uh korea vietnam we have perfected it that training and that and and so now uh we we make it so automatic and so like this is just what you do Mm. uh that killing people so what you see is this trend line over time we get not just more accurate but we wound and kill a lot more people and now this same guy Uh. uh who wrote this very interesting book um He's uh, offering his services now to police to enhance that, you know, warrior spirit. And, no. Yeah. No, o- I mean, opposite. That's, <laughs> yeah, we want. <laughs> but that's what, that's what the oh police want, right? They just want you to affect it. Like, they don't want you to just shoot a guy in the stomach and then put your gun away. That's not how you do it. Oh the, you Lord. do it. You just, you, you empty, empty your clip. clip yeah. your, I say clip. You empty your magazine hmm. and then you reload and you get ready to go again. Like that's and that's what he's teaching them to do, right? And I'm not saying he's wrong. Okay. But I'm saying that absent a certain structure, absent some countervailing balancing yeah. thing in that same culture, you're going to get a lot of overly aggressive people who just want to go out and kick kick ass and and they make stupid gangs about uh, killing civilians and things like that. Mm. Uh, and it stokes this like us versus them mentality, mentality yeah. that the police do not need to have. Right. Yeah. You know, 
so many good things said by Ken. I could break them down one by one. First off, yeah, one thing we really want to point out is that there's no reason you cannot be pro-police and anti-violence and anti-crime. So, you know, we understand, I think Ken more than me with his experience with firearms, it's a risky game. Hmm. And we just want to make sure that we're not sort of looking for blaming all police. We know that most police are really good. Statistics show that most police actually do a pretty good job. We're just wondering how to make it even better. Sure, um, definitely. Two questions. First off, what's the difference between cl- a clip and a magazine? Well, the the in a semi-automatic weapon, okay. like a like a rifle or a stapler a, or a stapler <laughs> <laughs> or a or a pistol. Okay. Uh, the thing that you that contains your bullets yep. uh, that is called a magazine. Okay. A clip is not the actual. It's not the right word. A clip is something for a like a. I my understanding is a clip is for a kind of weapon that we don't even use anymore. Oh, it's, interesting. Yeah, and it, it just kind of carried over, but it's not the correct thing. It's, it's a magazine. Okay, so the bullet cozy for the a bullet modern cozy. magazine is called a magazine. A magazine. And it used to be called a clip, but that's sort of an antiquated. It's word. kind of a different thing. Like you, uh, my my understanding is, um, many. Guns a ago. Gatling gun. No, not a Gatling oh. gun. But like maybe like a think about like a World War One style weapon. Okay. They had semi-automatic weapons, but you had this thing that you shoved down into, top, into the from the thing. top yeah. into the into the magazine, yeah. Yeah. and then you strip it out. Ah, and that's a clip. That, I think that's a clip. Okay. I I'm not a gun historian, <laughs> and I don't use those kind of things, so I don't know. But that's my understanding. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. I just know that the things that we put in a modern semi-automatic weapon are called magazines. magazines. Okay. And my other question is, how have we changed? Because it's really funny. I, I love me some Sharps novels, and I've read all the Sharps books. And what the British did was they basically were one of the first, since the Romans, that had a professionally trained. Like, people don't know this. All of Napoleon's armies were, quote-unquote, volunteer. They did not have a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Whereas the British Army did lots of floggings to go with mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. but for example, that's one of the reasons why they could beat Napoleon is that they could reload and fire three shots a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was it. That was yeah. three shots a minute, but that was enough to counter because they'd get in a row. Napoleon would attack with a column, and they right. could reload and shoot faster than Napoleon's guys could march. That's also crazy, right? But that's yeah. also why the Civil War was so bloodbathy. Yeah, right. Because people had those old tactics, but with basically. <laughs> fairly modern weapons by what we're used mm-hmm. to and lead mm-hmm. people yeah. didn't have metal but they had lead which would just explode mm-hmm. so nowadays like if you got shot in the stomach good chance you'll live maybe you're not going to be pretty but back then it was just you're dead yeah well so i've many, never been pretty yeah. so that's yeah that but you'd be even less pretty if you got shot with a <laughs> well but I mean, how did they how did they do it like, well it was think about it did they dehumanize people or make uh, them look at people well i think human? i think that was like a later thing i think during the civil war my understanding was it was just a bunch of country boys right Basically, it was. Yeah. It wasn't like a, uh, the, the South was yeah. our same army that we have today. It wasn't like yeah. this professional army uh. that we have today. It was just more like, uh, you know, you guys from this farming community, yeah, you're yeah. you're coming with me, and yeah. okay, let me show you how to I'm shoot this thing. First, the Cotons would form a region or something, and, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So it was a very different thing, and maybe you had a lot of uh, people who. You know, they didn't want to fire on people from the next town or from mm-hmm. the next state, or you know. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But do you have an idea? Okay, so it's not. It's been a long time since I read this oh, book. Okay, okay. This is a 1995 yeah. book, so well, it's I, one I thing probably read it. If you look at how tribal America is getting, that it seems to be pretty easy to get people to be tribal. So I'm not surprised they've gotten more effective. And I think 
man, I couldn't imagine back then because there was even less information. But mm-hmm. wow. okay. Well, here I think what what they do now is they just like give you they they give you the training, mm. but they just make it like they automate how you do it, like piece by piece by piece. Like mm. even how I learned how to how to how to draw and fire a mm. pistol. Uh, they just they break it down into this piece like you you grab the gun right you pull it up right, right. Uh, so it's 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 very very broken down behaviorally so mm-hmm. that from that point you like you automatically know I mean you don't even have to think about yeah, it's what muscle you're memory it's right? just do yeah. it right? right like just like whenever I whenever I pull out a pistol like you know and I've acquired a target Right, my finger goes on the trigger. I know exactly how far to pull that trigger back before it right. fires, right? right? Mm-hmm. And I I want to get rid of all of that extra space so that whenever I'm ready to fire, it just happens, mm-hmm. right? So I don't have to think about it, right? Same thing with uh, aiming, right? Mm-hmm. You just you learn how to aim. You've done it, you know. My first pistol class, I did like two thousand bullets in a weekend. Right. My hands were hamburger, but like from that point on, uh, whenever I draw a weapon, it's it's just muscle, muscle memory. memory. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. But I don't think they did it the same way back then. I suppose they had a lot of different I don't think our yeah, they probably had different well, I know everybody had different rifles, different ammunitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the Yankees had those repeater rifles towards the end of the war. Oh yeah. Which really caused a lot of damage. And, yeah, yeah, no kidding. But interesting, so just getting back to my the good part was I met these cops and I think in my high school years I could have gone either way and my friends were like hey hey go ask that big guy to buy beer for you was like I don't know guys if that's a really good idea like, come on Nick go do it like, oh, okay. that's a dumb idea and of course the guy was a cop but he didn't know I was serious he's like look I know your friends put you up to this but you've got two choices and he just like look you know then he he said it in a really gruff voice I'm going to say it less gruffly because I don't want to blow up Ken's poor machine but um, he basically said look you you know focus on football enjoy your time be a kid all those other things can wait. You'll get enough chance to get in trouble later. Just go and do it. And that really kind of affected my, my high school in a good way. Mm-hmm. And I even got pulled over a couple times by those guys. They always kind of took it a little easy on me, I feel like. And not to say they weren't real jerks to other people. I'm sure they were. I've got a horror story later. But, yeah, that's a very good positive thing that a police officer who practiced what he preached kind of brought to the table. Sure. And yeah. if, you, if you want to learn more about this stuff, uh, there's a – there's a writer named Radley Balco, and he does amazing work. He's been doing this for years and years and years, maybe more than ten years. Uh, I I follow him on Twitter. He's he, uh, he's this he's an author, right? Huh. <laughs> and he wrote for Reason, which is a libertarian publication. Now he writes for Washington Post, I think. Mm-hmm. And he's got maybe two books on police militarization. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got. He's done so much work on no-knock raids, oh. uh, which is relevant to you know a lot of stuff we've seen with Breonna Taylor. Yeah. Uh, so I definitely recommend Radley Balco. Mm. Let's actually go to the bad. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of it. So what, what happened was surprised me was actually Ken and I had kind of a, just a chat about two mm. weeks ago because we couldn't record that week and I kind of wanted to stay current and... Man, you go first, Ken. Bad. Oh, bad. Uh, well, you want the yeah. yeah. Uh, so one one thing that I don't know. I've, I've like I said, I've always had kind of not good 
image of police. But one of the things that happened maybe in the last few years that I lived in the U.S. was my next door neighbor. He was a, a youth pastor and his wife was a youth pastor and they lived uh, just in, in Tulsa, just a normal house. We didn't live in a very good neighborhood. It was it was a mostly minority neighborhood, but majority minority neighborhood. Anyway, uh, somebody broke into their house, stole a bunch of stuff, computers, cash, jewelry, that kind of stuff. And uh, they, the pastor and his wife, they called the police. Uh, they wanted him to come out, you know, fill out a report, like do whatever they do for burglaries. And the police, they didn't come out first day. They didn't come out the second day. They and the, the pastor and his wife kept calling. Eventually, like on the third day, the a police officer came out. And the police officer didn't want to fill out a report. And the p- pastor, they were confused. They were like, why? You know, we need this in order to, you know, take care of you know, insurance and right. all that stuff and, and get this party started. And the officer was like, look, you guys, you know where you live. Right where you you live in this terrible neighborhood, why do you have all this nice stuff? And basically, the the idea, the implicit threat here, was that the police officer was saying that if you move forward with this and you fill out a report, we're going to start investigating you because we think you uh, got all this you know, your computers and your jewelry and, and things, you got all this stuff th- by doing something bad. That's the only way that you could have acquired these items. So are you sure you really want to fill out a, a report? Uh, so it was, it was a difficult time. And I think that that's that kind of just egregious behavior is, is just terrible. There's no excuse for it. It's almost like, telling a rape victim that they're going to start investigating them for soliciting because they're oh, yeah. dressed provocatively. That's exactly right. Yeah. Not so. Mine was, we talked about, I can seem to know more about it than I did, but I, I'd forgotten about this was, I remember in the late nineties, they started doing seizures. Hmm. Of, like, so if you get pot, oh. pot they'd steal everything. Right. Uh, what was this? Uh, forfeit, uh, forfeiture. Civil forfeiture. forfeiture yes. Which I think is just a whole, it's just one of those things where I don't know enough bad things to say about it. I just think, <laughs> what? And then the worst part is it goes back into nothing to prevent that problem from happening, back into the police so they can buy more guns and more. Sure, right. Yeah. Yeah, the, all the incentives all are the there. All the incentives are there mm-hmm. to just do a bad job. And then the no-knock thing, mm-hmm. my God. Well, the thing about the forfeitures that I really think need to be said is uh, what what often happens is you can imagine between, for example, uh-huh. uh, between Mexico and Chicago, uh, there's like some main traffic routes right. that drugs might, uh, like drug dealers might use. It's covered very extensively on the Netflix show, <laughs> Ozarks, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. So, um, so there's these highways and the cops know that there's these highways that drug traffickers use to bring marijuana to or bring drugs to Chicago. And they know that they use those probably the same uh, routes to get back to Mexico with money. And what you'll find is that the police officers, they don't they don't sit on the they don't they don't intercept people on the side with the drugs going to Chicago. They sit on the side of uh going back to mexico and so they intercept people going back to mexico with money so that they can get the money they can use the money they can't use the drugs 
So they 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 wait for the money yeah. to come to them. This is just horrible, horrible mm-hmm. policing. But you, I'm yeah. sorry. But no. that's 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 the bad part about that. Yeah. And and also people who just have cash money mm. uh, to buy homes, to buy cars, to you know just moving. They're going to change banks. Mm. Uh, they end up losing their money because the police think, oh well, this is drug money. Clearly, and. Uh, yeah, it's really a terrible situation. But let's move on and talk about No Knock. So No Knock is, I think, the first time I really heard of this, I guess like most people, is, okay, I think this year has been a lot of bad things. And maybe one silver lining is if you know there's a problem, you can fix it. So for better or for worse, this is the first time that a majority of Americans have lived in cities. And my friend, I think it was Carl Sagan said, the minute that happened, there's usually a paradigm shift in society because those cities are not perfect. You can see it. Hmm. If you can see it, you can do something about it. And so for better or for worse, we talked about racism in our last podcast. You know there are issues now. And I did not understand there was such a thing as a no-knock warrant. I did not understand that people would walk in with, this is funny because, you know, you see it on cops and you're like, well, that guy kind of deserved it. But (laughs) another thing I I found out, there's this great podcast about how bad cops is, how corrupt the TV show is. And it's just, no, you cannot do that, especially since they are actually – incredibly ineffective yeah right another example this is kind of like um well what so what was the so obviously a no-knock warrant is whenever the police don't have to knock on the door which makes no sense to get it to so they can just like bust into the house right right right. why do they do that because they need to prove that they need all those guns and that's my one theory I've got mm-hmm. is that they need to justify the amount of money they're spending on stuff to do that with. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, but mm-hmm. wh- why? Why do they? Why? What is the justification for using a no-knock warrant versus a regular warrant? Someone would run away. Ah, okay. So right. the the what they say, what they used to say mm-hmm. is, well, these drug dealers, right? right. They're going to flush the drugs. And they're well-armed, so they're just going to ambush us as soon as we come in, right? Mm-hmm. So we've got to take them by surprise, okay. right? Right. So that's that's the rationale behind that. Of course, the Supreme Court says, yeah, that might be true, but you have to make a, like a specific allegation about this person, why mm. this person is such a dangerous person or why this person is going to flush drugs down the toilet. Like you have to be very specific about why this person, Okay. right? You can't just say, well, I think they, they're a drug dealer. Right. You can't just say that. Right? Right. You've got you to do some extra work, right? Well, that's especially with uh, Breonna Taylor. They didn't do that. They just filled out the same form the same way. They said, well, with these drug dealers, <laughs> right? <laughs> so um, maybe- She was a nurse too, right? She was an EMT. EMT at the time when America needs EMTs. Exactly right. The most, yeah. yeah. Just sort of on that same line, this is another thing that was called hot pursuit. And a lot of it, like we're talking about the wrong psychology or the, the hidden trick, is they actually found out in some counties that there's a lot of playing chicken with. I mean, I knew friends that would try to run from the cops. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a sport. It was like that the cops caught you, you know, huh, huh, you did. I mean, it was never like these people because they were Caucasian and had good families. The one, those people never get in super big trouble. But, you know, the bus to beer thing kind of try to get away. They throw mud on their license plates. But everyone knows whose truck it was, right? right. Yeah, but they found out it's really dangerous because people would like chuck their lights off to evade police, da, da, da. So what sure. they started yeah, doing yeah. was telling people, look, the most effective way is let them go. We know who they are. Come back during the daytime when they're not in their car, and arrest them. Mm-hmm. They found out it saves money, saves time, more effective, easier, but cops wouldn't do it. Oh, yeah. They would fight it tooth and nail because in their mind, 
okay, if you take them to their word, they feel like they're not doing their job. But no, part of it is that macho mystique is gone. Right. What am I doing? Right, exactly. And that's a big That's exactly problem. the same thing with the no knock warrant. Yeah. They could just wait for the person to come out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could literally just wait there and take the person when they come out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do it during the daytime when it was nice and quiet and no one would get mm-hmm. hurt. No, it's, it's very much like a, a big... Yeah, it's, it's but you're a, but you you were you touched on this and you're exactly right. Is that uh, in the 1980s the SWAT team became very popular, yeah, and they they said they said, oh, you know, we need this in case of uh, uh, hostage so, situations yeah. or kidnappings or Scarface? something like this, like some this like super you know rare occurrence. And mm. so all of these police departments ended up getting, uh, you know. Kevlar vests and armored personnel carriers and yeah, right? and automatic weapons and and things like this and then they get all of this equipment and they take all this training and then they're like okay now what <laughs> Granny Fanny Nestle Roll has this for the right yeah <laughs> so there's a cat in a tree on on you know Eleventh of Delaware <laughs> <laughs> to get over there. so uh, was there so, a movie where they let me help you man bang 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 they shoot the cat <laughs> maybe yeah. so. <laughs> but so like basically the drug war gave the yeah. incentives to get the equipment and take the training for all these SWAT teams. And then it also provided the incentives to ramp up the violence mm. against civilians. Mm. And uh, yeah, so exactly right. Those are all horrible. Now let's talk about some solutions. So the number solutions. one thing. Yeah. So the number one thing is it's really funny is defund the police. Well, can we wait just on that one? Because what I was going to say is the number one reason why since 2004, or sorry, since I think it was 1993 or 1994, crime has gone down year upon year, every single year. And reliably. Is, reliably. Yes, everywhere. And people were wondering why, and like, was it due to like policing changes? Broken window broken policing. Broken window policing, yeah. which is just, or like the New York model, which is where they arrested people for everything, even the smallest offenses, the idea being like it sent this domino effect. And mm-hmm. the guys from Freakonomics did some research. It turns out that in America, crime dropped from the year Roe v. Wade became legal. Now, get this, because people are going to say, no, that's not true, blah, blah, blah. But it, they, they tracked it. It's very well documented in their book. We have a video we'll put up on YouTube. Crime dropped first in Hawaii the month it became legal. And then the next state that went that legalized abortion, bang, their crime rate dropped. And you can literally There's no crime it. in Hawaii. Are you joking? Well, it's just uh, it's just people yeah. doing the hula dance and doing eating spam. Dance. And yeah, it was, it was a big yellow fever outbreak in like 68 or 69, mm-hmm. whatever year that was. And that's why that was kind of their thing. Got upheld in the Supreme Courts, and, and there you go. Mm-hmm. And to counter that, too, one other argument is the country with the highest crime rate at the time was Poland, which had made all birth control illegal since 1978. So 20 years later, mm-hmm. bang. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of in stone. Abortion helps prevent crime. Now, people who are super religious will say that abortion is a crime, to which I say, great. Education, birth control. We mm. can meet in the middle on this. Folks. Oh, sure. But I, this is something that you're really harming more people than you might think by making abortion illegal. Mm-hmm. What's one hack you had, Kenneth, for preventing crime? Um, okay. So, better my... police training? I don't think police training is going to get there. It's mm-hmm. not going to get us there. Decouple or defunding? Uh, I don't think defunding. I think maybe police have too much stuff on their plate. Um, My feeling about this has to do with the fact that 
in the past in the U.S., uh, it's not uncommon in Oklahoma for people to carry weapons with them all the time. Uh, you know this. <laughs> some people carry open carry. Some people have a concealed carry permit. I had a concealed carry permit. Everyone in my family's got concealed carry permits. We've always got guns with us. The The point that I'm making here is not like, stay away from me, I'm a badass. It's not. The point here is that if you carry a gun... It changes everything about how you should be in public. Uh, If you've got a gun, you realize, oh my God, I'm bringing a gun into literally every social situation that I'm in. So if somebody mouths off to you, you're not likely to just puff out your chest and be like, oh yeah. (laughs) You're not not going to be aggressive. You're going to try to de-escalate that situation. Right, most people do this. Most smart people do this who carry weapons. The thing, the, the the reason why this relates to police is police always have guns with them. There's literally no place for them to like go enter a situation and put the gun down and say, "Okay, now I'm unarmed, everything's safe." Right? They can't do that. So every time somebody's having a mental health crisis, every time somebody's having a medical emergency. Every time someone's on drugs, every time someone's drunk, every time someone, every time there's a domestic disturbance, every time there's child abuse, the cop is bringing guns into that situation. And I don't think that that's a really smart idea. I think really a better idea might be to have trained professionals come in who are not armed and deal with that situation to the extent possible. You might have a police backup with you, uh, but not necessarily in that situation maybe just just outside that situation something like that interesting mm-hmm. i love the day what about something like remember mayberry to protect and serve and mm-hmm. you know golly open the good old days oh, it's never been about that it's been about protecting the wealthy interests of mm-hmm. society mm-hmm. and i don't think it will that will ever change no it does seem like it's gotten worse though sure yeah but I just think that's a really interesting idea. One thing I would love to see if it really is protecting to serve is like, I'd love to see, this sounds, hear me out, cops on buses. And, and I say that because when I was working in uh, Minneapolis, there were sometimes when, um, it's a heartbreaking story, one of the guys that worked in our kitchen was probably an illegal worker from the Mexico mm-hmm, course. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he would work hard, sending money home, but at night when he took the bus, he would get robbed. Mm-hmm. And man, he was just afraid to take the bus. My heart went out to him. I didn't sure. know what I could do at the time, but I would love to see something like that. Or I'd love to see, you know, like a lot of these college towns too. You talk about like playing, you know, playing tag. It's basically you drive home, you've had not enough beer to be drunk, but enough that they can get you. They can cost mm-hmm. you a lot of money. They, sure. they, that's in their, you know, best interest to do mm-hmm. so. They get points for it, whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, why not have a bus system with the police there too? That way it's safe to take the bus home. You'd save DWIs, you'd save lives. Sure. I think we have to kind of expand the role. So I really like that idea. Make it like an alternative to police and mm-hmm. give them the, the training that they need too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we've still got about 20 minutes, 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about defunding because there's so much, quite frankly, just it's such an ambiguous word. Yeah. And I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams wants there to be no police. No. I know I want there to be police. No. I mean, and, and I think if you ask 100 people mm. what that means, everyone's going to have a different You get at least one, 75, right? 80 different I mean, answers. the one that I never hear that I think is a good idea. Mm. Of course, I think it's a good idea. Um, getting smart. He's a smart <laughs> no, guy. no. I think it's a good idea because I'm thinking it. That's, that's, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> uh, it. It has no 
maybe it's a very stupid idea, but my, my thinking about this is, um, so much of what policing is about in the U S is about, um, bringing in revenue to government coffers, right? So whether it's the civil forfeiture situation, whether it's, uh, bringing in fines for traffic violations or moving violations or even like uh, things about your house. Like you, you don't have your grass is too long. You don't have enough grass. You, you're whatever Uh Uh, your mailbox is the wrong color. It doesn't have the numbers on the mailbox that you can see easily. Um, All of these things are things that police use to bring in money to the government. Mm. And what we see in places like Ferguson, Missouri is that, Maybe because there's there's such a small population, maybe everybody has like a thousand dollars or more that they owe to the government in fines and fees and right. warrants yeah. and other things yes. like that, right? Yeah. I think that stuff needs to be stopped. Mm. The police are not there to be like uh, revenue agents, right? Right? Police are there to serve the public, and I think that that needs to change. Mm. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. One other alternative, I mean, this goes without saying, but universal basic income would be a huge factor. Oh, sure. Because people would have money to pay those fines, Mm -hmm. and they would have money that they would maybe have to commit some crimes. Although I don't want to use that as an excuse. Mm -mm. It's it's tough to say, you know. But I I, I mean, you you have to be, uh, this is not, I mean, there are arguments both for and against on this this point, but Mm. at the end of the day, if you can get by without doing crimes, it's probably going to be that you're not going to do crimes. Yes, yeah, I think without a doubt we can say that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. People don't do. Some people do crimes yeah. just because they're bored, but it's not that common. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you look at the crimes that people do because they're bored. Like I would love to see. It was really funny. It was this one woman, a famous actress from like the the glory days of Hollywood and she basically got into politics when Kennedy was there never cared about afterwards and drank a lot during the 20s and quit the minute it became legal sure a lot of it is thrill seeking stuff that you know oh, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. maybe a fine or mm-hmm. thing like that would be better off than ruining people's lives exactly yeah. definitely to me when you talk about defunding I definitely don't want to defund the police but i'd like to defund the drug war mm-hmm. i cannot oh 100 i mean of... just not not to defund the drug war I mean, they just need to stop that stuff it is completely <laughs> ineffective in a, i mean it's the all of the incentives that it creates mm. are negative negative incentives right uh, it 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 causes the black market yeah. that is <laughs> is responsible for dealing drugs and it also makes the violence from police and from the drug dealers increase. Yeah. So it's there's there's no no good part about the drug war. And I think you could definitely replace a lot of that revenue that the police are. I think feel pressure to get sometimes. Mm-hmm. So let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Easily replaced. They could give them all raises and attract a different maybe type of police. Now that's the last one. Let's talk about. So like one thing Ken talked about was how well the army gets people into roles that are good for them. Mm-hmm. I. We have to do something where we attract people that aren't... Okay, so the, this great scene from 300, right? When the the guy with the hunchback, I think his name was Archimedes, was mm-hmm. like, he went to visit Xerxes and he's going to sell out the 300. He says, what do you what do you want? And he's mm-hmm. like, a uniform. <laughs> right? There's some people that want that uniform. I knew yeah. a lot of ex-jocks in my town that became cops. It wasn't because they really loved to protect oh, the sure. They were bullies. He was the biggest jerk on the wrestling team, but he got to be a big jerk again, and he got to wear a mm-hmm. uniform. That's a power so, trip. Yeah, power trip. So what can we do, or can we do something to 
prevent that? Like testing? Yeah. Or I mean, what? I mean, the, the, you're you're right. I think. Yeah, th- this is a really good point, right? Okay. What what do they want? Yeah, they. Yeah. I think that what they want is they want to they want to carry a gun. They want this uniform. They want like a bulletproof vest. They want to go kick someone's ass. Right, right, and I think what it's they completely the what they need to thing. do instead of doing that, instead of focusing on that, instead of you know using a SWAT team as a recruitment video, they yeah. need to put people like just like the Japanese officers, put them yes. on a stupid mama cherry, <laughs> put them in a a stupid bicycle with a basket, and tell them go patrol your your. Three block area yeah. here, and I want you to know everybody's name, yep. and I want you to be part of that community. I want you to be playing basketball with the kids, and they do. And I want you to be the one that they ask for directions. That's right. Where to go if their wallet got lost? Exactly. Which, yep. That's really. Yeah. That's I really don't want you point. to sit in a car and fill out a form and clean your guns. I want you to be out there in the yeah. community. Yeah. We'll talk next week about the police in Japan because there's a lot of horror stories there too. But that's one very good point about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really funny. One of the one of my Japanese neighbors was traveling to like America, and I was like, "Well, what if you get lost?" And she's like, "Oh, I'll just ask a police officer." <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> you, you might get shot. Well, not only that, but good luck finding a police officer. Yeah, that's yeah. A good point. they are never around. Could you imagine them asking like an equine cop in New York? Excuse me, sir. Wow, like they get run <laughs> yeah, over. Right. Yeah. Get against the wall. Empty all your pockets. <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, we just need to attract a different kind of person. It Mm -hmm. seems like there is a lot of... Let me ask you this. If you're somebody that wants to... Just let's review quickly and we'll we'll have to wrap up today. But So today, uh, our book reports were Moneyball and... Uh, (laughs) Moneyball and Ted Lasso. Moneyball and Ted Lasso, which is a comedy. (laughs) Our life in Japan were suicides and mental health. But... uh, great service yes and the biggest problems we think with policing are that they fund the drug war hmm. the biggest solution is probably training and defunding the can drug i war. can i add one more yeah, please please the last one hmm. i think cops should have some kind of malpractice insurance oh that was the thing you mentioned yes go mm-hmm. ahead kenny uh breach it brother <laughs> the idea it, behind this man. is just like uh doctors, doctors whenever yeah. doctors make mistakes which is going to happen yeah. uh the insurance company, malpractice insurance, steps in. They pay the, they pay restitution to the family or whatever, mm-hmm. cover the problem for the doctor. Of, of course, the other side of that is uh, when that happens, a doctor's malpractice insurance premiums go yeah. up, right? Uh, and if a doctor is bad enough, <laughs> which I hope is not very bad, but if a doctor is bad enough, right. the malpractice insurance premiums are going to be more expensive than they can bear mm. and they will go do something else mm. like be an actor or something mm. like that. Mm. Uh, I think something similar should be done with police. Uh, they should have some, because what happens is whenever right. uh, Breonna Taylor gets killed or uh, George Floyd gets killed or, or some other person gets killed um, by police is often there's some settlement to the family, mm. right? Who pays that settlement? Is it the police department? Probably not. It is definitely it is never the police department. It is always the taxpayer right. or uh, some some police departments have mm. insurance 
but uh, not enough of the wrong kind. <laughs> That's a really good point too. And Ken pointed out in our discussion two weeks ago is we forget it is a tough job. You know, we mm-hmm. understand that sometimes it's a no-win situation. Sure. We understand that you know there's when you make mistakes and you're like an English teacher in Japan. Mm-hmm. Oh well, maybe that person didn't learn what a pronoun was today. Yeah, but right. nobody dies. Right. When doctors make mistakes, people die. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but overall, I think we're looking to this wrong. Police officing is actually even not even that dangerous. It's one of the like dangerous jobs are usually like fishermen, loggers, lumberjacks. Those are mm-hmm. by far mm-hmm. many, many times more dangerous than Definitely. policing. What, what about pay? You mentioned that police you think are paid fairly well. I really don't have any evidence on that. They get paid a lot. Do they? Okay. Yes. The ones that I knew did okay, but I mean, I don't. Any idea how much? Like 60, 70, 80? I think more than 100. More than 100? Yeah. And then they also have very nice pensions. Oh, okay, well. okay. So. Is this going to be like in small town Midwest America where you're yes. from? They get paid yes. that much, huh? Yeah. I think police officers in big cities make over 200,000. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. They're, they have like nice, cushy, you know, suburban homes, huh. things like that. Yeah. I knew a friend of mine's dad was a highway patrol. Another weird thing about America is like you're talking about. Jurist, like so many overlapping jurisdictions. Like this guy yeah. happened to be no, he was a sheriff's department. Like, mm-hmm. What is that? So it's like he basically guards these two. But anyway, so so yeah, worked. like the, there's like city police, then there's like in in Oklahoma, there's city police, yeah. county sheriff, and yeah. then statewide like highway patrol. Which people hypo, yeah. Mm-hmm. So those listen in Canada, or Japan. I think in Japan there's just police. Just police. I'm sure that they have some kind of undercover because I see an undercover Prius sometimes with like a little <laughs> siren on the top. It's so funny. It's like, how J- Japanese is that? If there's a Toyota Prius that drags people Undercover off. Mama Jetty. <laughs> yeah. God, that's great. But um, anyways, Ken, we're almost out of time. Let's wrap it up there. Next week, you know, next week, I, I had an idea. Let's do next week. Let's just do book reports and life in Japan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because we always have these. It'll great, only be three hours long. Uh, yeah. Oh, we always have these like, great ideas, but sometimes we get stuck on tangents. But yeah. So, yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Um, so I guess the hack, the solution is better training, more money, using things more effectively, especially getting rid of drugs and some type of malpractice insurance for yeah. police. So, yeah. Kenneth, anything else to add? Nothing. Awesome. Thank you guys for your time. Give us a listen. Stay green, and we love you. We love you. Take, take, take it easy. Bye. Bye-bye.